0: Oh, oh, oh. And welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And
0: I'm Ross Blotcher. And we have with us a special guest today from the Reasonable Risk podcast, one Mr. Michael Schaefer.
1: Hello, Michael.
0: Hello, Ross and Carrie. Good to be with you. And just in case our listeners are confused, this is not the Michael Schaefer that I ran cross country with in high school. Oh, thank Wait, goodness! No, you clarified no, that. It, it is. Oh, oh, I'm so embarrassed now. <laughs> you,
2: you know, there's actually a real benefit to having a name like this. I'm really Un-googleable. Un-Google-able. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: 100%. Yeah,
2: you know, unless you Google like my name and podcast name or business name or something like that, you're not going to find me. So it's good to be under the radar sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's one of those double edged swords because I'm the yes. only Ross Blotcher. Oh,
1: but- and imagine being Carrie Poppy. Oh. There's never confusion.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's never a miscommunication. Tide goes in, tide goes out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there was a Ross Blotcher who lived somewhere. Oh, goodness, I'm forgetting the state now, but it was in the U.S. and he passed away already. So,
1: Oh, R.I.P.
0: But yeah, welcome to our show. And you had reached out to us, as many others had, after we had started our Wealth Expo investigation uh, because we were running into a bunch of, uh, we thought, scammers, people selling tax liens and...
1: Covered calls.
0: Covered calls, the beat-the-stock-market offers. So you have some experience in these matters, and maybe you can just talk about that real quick.
2: So, my main line of work is being a real estate broker, and I spent several years sort of at the middle to late, later end of the housing crash buying foreclosure properties and flipping myself. So, I've flipped maybe two, three dozen houses, and I haven't been doing that for a few years simply because of the market. I'm in Denver, our market here is spectacular so it's too hard to buy houses to flip but yeah I was in the uh right in the trenches of the foreclosure flipping business back then and there's a few different layers there in the business that run from uh extremely scammy to completely legitimate
0: mm-hmm. gotcha and but before we jump into that can you tell us just a bit about reasonable risk your podcast that you do
2: yeah sure so reasonable risk is it's built around my sort of unifying premise of Life, the Universe, and Everything, which is any decision can be broken down into what are the risks, what are the rewards. So anything in life that we do, if we look at it through those lenses and analyze it, it might be analyzing it for two minutes if it's you know, buying a candy bar
0: but uh that's too
1: long for buying a candy bar
2: (laughs) Uh, but you know there's a guy in the checkout
0: aisle and he's like furrowed his brow what what are you doing with that whatchamacallit Uh, i'm analyzing the risks and the rewards well
2: yeah because (laughs) you're standing there in line and you're waiting for the person in front of you and they're writing a check for some reason in (laughs) 2017 i'm sure it
0: gets faster the more you do it
2: too (laughs) so you know obviously the bigger decisions in life where are you going to go to college where are Mm-hmm. Where are you? What city are you going to live in? Who are you going to marry? Are you going to be an, an activist or a corporatist? You mm-hmm. know, those kind of decisions that can be broken down and they don't have to be that scary and paralyzing. So on the show, we, we talk about how different people make decisions in different areas. Sometimes we're businessy. Sometimes we're more personal stories. Try to be funny along the way so it's not just... You know, a dry bit of economics or something like that. But we look at things from all sorts of different angles. And, right. and that's really what it's about
0: is decisions. Sounds Ooh. like a very reasonable SWOT analysis. <laughs>
2: ah, oh, oh, believe me, you, you, I was thrown right back to business school. Uh, but I know you've already uh, taken your lumps on that one. <laughs> uh,
1: let me ask you this. Did you graduate from one of Canada's top business schools with really good grades?
2: No, I graduated from one of the U.S.'s top business schools with very good grades. That was so. that
1: was a, a Nathan for you reference that like eight people will understand.
2: <laughs> Is he still? I mean, that, that, he hasn't done that in years, right?
1: Oh no, it's still on. It's, uh, it's I mean, still it's on in hiatus really? right now, but it's it's a oh. very good show. Carrie
2: bought uh, me I the first season I, have, I haven't kept up. I had seen some of the first season.
1: Oh, you got to watch it. Well, anyway, you're not Nathan, so. Uh, (laughs) So we trust you more. But, you know, you mentioned that there is good house flipping and Mm -hmm. that's on one end and then down to very unethical. Maybe there's something in the middle as well. My mom was a realtor for years and we Mm -hmm. flipped a house when I was a kid. I didn't mention this on the show, but my parents bought a house and my dad fixed it up with his hands Mm -hmm. and my mom did all the decorating. And I imagine that that was on the ethical end of it. And we focused in the show on what we imagine was the unethical end of it.
0: And we mentioned Mm -hmm. that there are more and less ethical ways to do this, but I think for a lot of people, they thought we were just saying all house flipping is bad.
2: I didn't necessarily get that from you so much as there are really a couple of different pieces here of potential scam. Well, and you you wouldn't get that from the presentation because Mm -hmm. the presentation is just there to sell you expensive workshops and coaching services, sign you up for way overpriced software and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's all you're supposed to get when you're there as you guys coming into the real estate wealth expo. The pitch kind of did what it was designed to except that you're skeptical and, you know, knew that it was, you know, bullshit the whole way. But that's really what the pitch is supposed to do, is really not answer any questions.
0: Right. And you were alluding to the fact that there are mm-hmm. more layers of crumminess and scamminess to what they were doing. Can you unpack that a bit, kind of what they were actually trying to accomplish?
2: Absolutely. Because really what this group is, and I went and looked up this specific speaker and what Which the,
1: speaker are you thinking of? Uh,
2: this is Steve Wyman. He's actually a speaker for a company that's now called Success Path Education. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have nothing to do with real estate. They don't care what the product is. They put on expos like these for all sorts of different industries. There isn't expertise there. All that they're doing is trying to sell these educational and, and coaching services. They have the stars of flip or flop. I can't watch those flipping shows knowing how glossed over they are, but yeah, sort they, of Yeah, the they had face. people from they're that the, show at, at the yes, Wealth Expo. They're the paid face of this company. And this company, actually looking back historically, it grew out of two other companies that were this, the same management ownership and had... Yeah, gotten into trouble with the state AG or the FTC, and so they closed and they open under right. a new name. So they've been doing this for a long time, you know, like 15 years.
0: Under different names?
2: Yeah, but they're all—it's interesting because I recently did a, a show focused on— multi-level marketing schemes mm-hmm. and those there's a very high concentration of the largest ones are in utah ah oh. uh, re- revolves around the mormon community mm-hmm. and so is this company
1: yeah we noticed that a few of them were in utah when we were yeah I was looking up the there's better Business for bureau rankings yeah. for all of them is it
0: because mm-hmm. utah has laws that are friendly to this or is it because of a mormon practice
2: it actually has more to do with culture Oh, I did find uh, the, the two companies before, one was called Deus, and that's interesting because hmm. it um, almost sounds like God. Um, and, uh, is that and D-E-U-S before, it, or D-A-I-S? It's actually, D, it's actually D-A-E-U-S, Whoa. which which I don't know is anything. It Dias. may just be, you know, a branding, uh, oh, let's spell it all weird. Talk about um,
1: ungoogleable.
2: And then before that was Premier Mentoring. They're all basically the same. Right. Company they sold different things. I found um, some stories in the Salt Lake Tribune. They would get somebody on the hook for you know something by advertising on TV, get the free book or something like that, and then they would have all these different things, and they would call them about you know incorporate your business, and they would charge four thousand dollars was was the quote I saw for incorporating a business, which. You can do yourself for like a hundred bucks, or you can even go on the high end and pay legal zoom 500, but 4,000 is just egregious. And they're taking advantage of, of these people who are you know, thinking, Ooh, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. You know, my business opportunity is now. So this group that came in and pitched at this wealth expo, their con really has nothing to do with the real estate Their con is selling overpriced education that doesn't really have any value because they're not teaching you things that you can actually do Mm -hmm. uh, because their pitch is a lie. (laughs) But that's the extent of them.
0: It seemed purposefully engineered that they never actually purchase a property. They're telling you how to go out and do it yourself. Yes. And then they give you this guarantee. If you do sell... Uh, house or make a property flip within the first ninety days, then you get your money back. Which to us just sounded like wait. If uh,
2: you do, so? yeah, yeah.
0: Well, if that, it sounds that's, like they expect like you to r- fail. Backwards. A
1: reverse guarantee,
0: right? Well, the idea is like, oh, well, if you're successful, it, you know, we want you to be successful. You'll get right, your money it, back. Win win for you
2: yeah it motivates you, but it's but that just that, tells that's us a sleight of very hand often. yeah
1: yeah it just tells <laughs> you this never happens or this business would not exist <laughs>
2: <Exactly>. <laughs> right and, and this is the common thread one of the things that I do on my show regularly is I talk about cons and business scams mm-hmm. I' had run a business that was a fraud detection business at one point, and I just kind of get jazzed about finding out who's the scam and and why is it so really here we've got this company the scam is that they are selling bogus information for outrageous prices so then as far as the people that are actually doing the house flipping Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the people that actually take these classes there's a whole different group of people that are actually doing the house flipping you know including me and that's where so we have this whole separate group we don't even have to think about the the education and coaching scam they're getting paid money for bogus information so now on the actual house flipping i mean i've seen some pretty egregious stuff where people have gotten taken advantage of. What people do as flippers, you know, you might see those signs like, you know, we buy ugly houses and, yes, and sure. things like that. What those are is is those are actually franchised, those, those numbers. So you call in and whoever owns the area where the property you called about is going to get you as a lead and they then go try to buy your house for as cheap as they can. Now, In some cases, it makes sense. Maybe a house is practically unlivable. It needs so much renovation, you you couldn't sell it to a buyer to live in it. It, It's not fit for that. So there are situations where that makes perfect sense to do. But there are a lot of situations where it doesn't, where somebody could get full value from it. But we see it a lot with... um, as we do with with a lot of scams um that target the elderly, and that's where you can see a lot of shadiness because you might have an older person who has been in their house for a long time. They have a lot of equity. they might not realize that the house they bought for fifty thousand dollars in nineteen sixty five is worth eight hundred thousand uh, dollars
1: right yeah.
0: so any number higher than that sounds like very profit. high.
2: So someone might come in and say, you know, I can get you cash, you know, and we can close in 2 days so you don't have to worry about anything and you won't have to pay brokers or any of that stuff and I'll give you 500 for it.
0: And they sleep at night because they think, oh, this, you know, little old man, this little old lady, they felt they got a really good deal.
2: Right. I think that some of them maybe convinced themselves of that, but, but a lot of them d- wouldn't even bother.
0: I think we're probably both pretty sensitive to this, the, the scamming side of house flipping, because we live in Southern California. It's one of mm-hmm. the most expensive markets. Bottom line house in my area, like in Burbank, is going to be seven hundred if you're lucky, $800,000 1st oh, time I, home purchase. I
2: bought a house
0: in Los Angeles
2: in 2005.
0: And what was the range then?
2: So I bought this place for uh, this was really the low end of the market. It was four sixty five. This was an eight hundred square foot house. I mean, it was you know, it was tiny. Yeah. And it was on the edge of a of a not necessarily that great neighborhood, but uh, even now that uh, sounds
0: like a steal. Well, the
2: the problem uh, though, and this is getting a little bit off the subject. When I was looking to move out of L.A., the market had crashed and it was only worth 300 And that is where a lot of unscrupulous flippers can come in and really take advantage of some things. Mm-hmm. We don't see that so much right now. Certainly where I am in Denver, in Southern California, anywhere in California Uh, There just aren't that many people underwater on their mortgages Mm because housing prices have gone up so much. Mm -hmm. But when we did, that's where there's a lot more room for – for people to take advantage.
1: Right. I think one of the things that struck me during that presentation was that clearly the people buying the classes were being conned. Well, I shouldn't even use that strong a term because I guess I don't know. But I felt like something was wrong there. I'll say it. They okay. were being conned. <laughs> okay, very <laughs> conned. And then, in addition, they were being given this advice that if they were even able to implement it, would be predatory. So these ideas yes. like run in at midnight when the house goes into foreclosure and grab it. Well, okay, the reason you're going in at midnight is because the person who actually wants to buy the house is asleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's the design of that, right?
2: That's actually one where the way that they pitched it is not really possible. So they pitched it exactly the way that you're talking about it. Hey, you get to swoop in there and get it. Well, for one thing, that end user, that end buyer... They can't actually buy at foreclosure auctions generally Mm. because you have to have the cash with you, literally. Ah, Um, right. You have to pay in full in cash and you have to pay for
0: it that day. So There's no installment plan.
2: There's no installment plan and you can't get a loan for it because it can't be inspected. It can't go through the regular title clearance. Um, You're actually you're taking on a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. Because you haven't been able to, well, at least legally, uh, you haven't been able to go inside the property even. You've done nothing more than look at it from the street. So it's it's not that somebody is swooping in and and stealing it from a, a future buyer. The future buyer can't buy it in that circumstance. And it's also not a matter of you get there at 1201, and different counties do it different ways, but there's a certain time when the auctions happen and now a lot of them happen online when i was doing it a lot of them were in person we had to go to the courthouse and you go there and and you bid and there's there's a lot of investors there so the property's not selling for a steal it's selling for the bare minimum profit margin that the hungriest investor
0: is going to pay for it right. all right we've got to jump in here for just a minute And we've got a Jumbotron.
1: Yes. Alert, alert.
0: Oh, it's very official now.
1: Yes, a Jumbotron from Deidre Bales.
0: To Justin Hostin. She says, thank you for being my best friend, biggest supporter, and never giving up on me. They really like the slide whistle. (laughs)
1: relationships are built on experiences i love going with you to spooky places trying new things listening to podcasts and relaxing together
0: you build me up when i need it plus owls are our team spirit animal let's give it a shot and take it to the next level
1: Ooh! do you think they're going to take it to the next level
0: all right, let's let's hope so.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed.
0: Report back, Deidre and Justin.
1: Yeah, let us know. Or is it Deidre Hostin and Justin Bales?
0: Mm. Mm. Deidre, is it?
1: Justin, is it? We hear they like to switch names. That's as, what this bit is. About. As as we do yeah, too. Exactly. Uh, yeah,
0: we, we're old hands.
1: Anyway, you were saying, Michael?
2: You know what? One thing that that jumps out from that um, presentation. They'd mentioned a profit of about $60,000 on a flip. Mm -hmm. And when you'd said that, I know exactly where that number comes from. They tried to make
0: it sound Um, like an average almost.
2: It is. So it's a number that comes from a couple of sources. And what that number is, they take any house, any single property that has been sold twice within 12 months. A house sold for uh $600,000 yeah and 5 months earlier it sold for $400,000 so that would be in that number as a $200,000 profit mm. but that doesn't count the renovation <laughs> So that $60,000 profit number, that would be if you just bought it, turned around the next day, sold it, didn't have anyone else involved. Right. That was th-
0: Other fees involved.
2: Well, they talk about, hey, do this at home in your pajamas. I'm all for working in pajamas. I do it half the <laughs> time. But you also have to you know, have that team out there. If you're going to have that team, you have to pay them. They don't work for right. free. So the way that they're talking about do it, you would never clear a profit. If you're not bringing something to the party, you're not going to make a profit. I think that's a common theme with every get rich quick scheme. You know, if you think about it, why would you make money for doing nothing and not using your your own money? So you can you, coach are You're not going softball. to. <laughs> <laughs> right right actually that's a lot like the home shows where they show people three houses or whatever and it, it's a joke they've already bought one of the houses right but you know it's like you know i'm a youth softball coach and uh you know and my wife
0: sells crafts on etsy and our budget mm-hmm. is three million dollars right. <laughs> right. right so for somebody who purchases a house they don't mm-hmm. intend to live there but they're gonna you know fix it up and sell it again. What is a reasonable profit margin? What do they expect to get out of the deal?
2: It really varies, and it's hard to put a percentage number. I can just throw a few numbers out there just as an example. Say that I was buying a property and at auction, it cost five hundred thousand, and I estimate that it's going to cost fifty thousand for renovation. And another twenty thousand because of interest taxes and h o a s they never include those costs on on mm. any of those shows either. You know, I would probably be looking to make oh fifty thousand dollars on something like that
0: and about how um, long would that whole process take you?
2: about six months okay um. Okay. That's going to be a pretty normal time frame. Sometimes, if things are really simple, just some cosmetics. I've done some things in much less time than that. But pretty much for all the properties that I've ever flipped, they all involved rehab. They talk you know in, in these seminars about just get it and you just flip it and you don't do anything and someone will pay more for it. Very occasionally. I, I had one house, I think, that, that I can recall that I really just got lucky on the other person that wanted it didn't make it to the auction that morning so they paid hmm. me extra to just sell it to them uh,
1: right. Mm-hmm. oh right you know, wow. so that was
2: pure dumb luck that that doesn't work in reality right it's not something
1: you can <laughs> uh, plan for build into your right yeah, your system. right
2: so and there there's too many costs and too many risks involved to think that you're going to make it just on buying, not doing any work, and and selling it.
0: So how big or small of a problem do you think unethical house flipping is? And are there any other aspects to it that we haven't discussed?
2: I think that it is not a very big problem when the housing market is good in general. Most areas of the U.S. right now, the housing market is is relatively healthy. So when it is, there just are fewer opportunities for cons like this. And there's also fewer people out of work that are thinking, "Ooh, I heard about this house flipping thing. I'm going to go try that. So when we get into the next recession, that's when it's something more to watch out for. And it's something that I advise people, like if they're yeah, you know, parents or you know somebody that maybe are elderly maybe live uh, live alone you know in the old house they've had for 50 years just to you know mention it to them or keep an eye out and that sort of thing
0: okay
1: so yeah tell us about tax liens should yeah. we get them is tax that how we're going to make make money will i get rich
0: Brian allen our least favorite guy of the whole presentation yeah. what's his yeah. shtick?
2: So- Tax lien buyers club. No, you will not get rich
0: buying tax (laughs) liens. All right. So what happens? What actually happens there?
2: Especially not buying them from Brian Allen's tax lien buyers club,
0: (laughs) but I don't have to put clothes on.
1: You
2: can do anything at home in your pajamas. You don't even have to wear pajamas.
1: (laughs) They did say underwear.
0: Okay. You're giving them too much credit with pajamas.
2: (laughs) At least they have standards. So Tax liens are actually a really boring, stable, low-paying investment. Mm-hmm. So
0: the basic idea is you're helping somebody who needs to pay off taxes on their property by giving them a loan, and they're paying you back kind of on the side?
2: You're actually buying the lien from the, the jurisdiction. It's usually the county. Right. So what's happened is somebody has not paid their property taxes. Most properties right now, if anyone has bought in the last 10 years, maybe even longer, their bank includes that tax lien payment in their mortgage. So people don't have the option not to pay their property taxes anymore if they have a residence
0: that has a mortgage. So if they're paying towards their mortgage, then the taxes are getting taken care of.
2: Yes, exactly. And even if they fall behind on their mortgage... The bank is still going to pay the taxes oh, okay. because okay. the bank doesn't want wants to, to protect its investment. lose the property. Right. right? They need to protect their collateral. Oh, so so why do we still have tax liens?
1: Well, so is that why they're only in certain states?
2: Well, I'm not so sure about the state specific things. I know that we do have them in Colorado, where I am. You have them in California, Florida, a lot of the big markets. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we still have them is you can not be paying your property taxes if you don't have a mortgage. Um, so you own oh, your home right. outright. Well, you have to pay your taxes to the county every year or however often they charge it. So one reason that people might fall behind, um, you know, let's use the senior citizen example again. They bought their house for $50,000 way back when. And with the value that it's at now, the property taxes are $20,000 a year.
1: Right.
2: Okay. So they might not have the income to pay that.
1: Right. Okay. Now,
2: there are ways to have that taken care of. Anybody that's in that situation generally, especially when the market is good like it is, if they just have the right guidance, they're not screwed. This isn't something that can't be overcome. So, so
0: how does an unethical person take advantage of the situation?
2: They really can't. And that's, that's the scam here. The scam has nothing to do with buying tax liens. It's buying tax liens through this buyer's club. Right. Hmm. Because what this buyer's club does, from reporting that I, I found in a few places and some experiences people had uh, that I looked up on on various investing forums. What they're doing is, is they're being a middleman mm-hmm. uh, for tax liens. So hedge funds do a lot of tax lien buying, and, the, and they're doing it for stable returns. They're not doing it for big money. They're not looking to get rich. You know, very few of them actually turn into properties. I, I found... A stat that said, uh, and this came from a hedge fund, that said out of 20,000 liens that they might buy in a year, they may end up with 100 properties out of that. You know, half a percent. It's very rare that, that that actually happens. Right. So what Tax Lien Buyers Club is doing is they're buying some baskets of these tax liens from the hedge funds, and then they're reselling them to the people that buy into their tax lien buyer's
1: club. Okay.
0: So what they're doing is they're buying the ones that they can get cheap. So when you're looking for properties to purchase tax liens for, you're doing it within the buyer's club and properties they've already pre-selected for you?
2: That's what it sounds like. And of course, you can't get into any of their stuff without actually signing up for it. Mm -hmm. So there is almost no information that Tax Lien Buyers Club has available out there. Mm. That's why everything that is out there is other people's uh, reporting of their experiences.
0: Would it ever happen as they describe that by owning a tax lien, you would then get ownership of the entire property? It can happen. It's exceedingly rare. Right. And when
2: it does happen, you're not getting what they claim. They'll say, oh, you, you're getting this uh, property for the $2,000 that you paid for the tax lien. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, when you're allowed to foreclose, and it depends on the state, here in Colorado, it's three years, uh, Florida, I think, is five years, that you have to hold that tax lien. And so then at that point, you haven't been paid. And so you're able to file for a foreclosure. Well, in order to actually get the property, you have to pay off any other taxes that were outstanding, too. Ah. So it's not just that one year that you bought that you've already paid for. Ah. There could be five, six years of taxes that you would have to pay. And so, generally, when, when you end up in that situation, often these are on because they're, they're not as often on residential properties, because those usually have mortgages on them. So, a lot of them are on vacant land that might be worthless. You know, you might have a few acres of uh, rub land out by Barstow or something. But Brian um, Allen told us
0: we want the crummy properties.
2: I don't think Brian Allen knows what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> I
1: think Brian Allen really knows what he's doing.
2: <laughs> well, and and that actually feeds right back into the just ickiness of the whole right. thing. He's saying, oh, you, you want these bad, neglected properties. Well, that's because that's what Tax Lane Buyers Club has.
1: Ah, uh, right.
2: Because they get them at a cut rate. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So, so it just feeds into their profit. You are absolutely right to think that Brian Allen is just slime. But it really has nothing to do with throwing people out of houses because, I mean, I'm sure you can find stories of it happening, but it is very, very rare. Okay. I
1: think my concern wasn't that people would be thrown out of houses. It's clear that by the time you're buying the lien, they've defaulted to a point that they're probably not going to be able to dig themselves out of this hole. Right. But... Just that there was this sort of vulturey nature of it, you know. Oh, good, you know, you've yeah, been waiting fucked, for someone to exactly yep.
0: to default well, to get kicked out of their place. And ah, oh, let's profit off this situation.
2: And that's where the scam is just the sales pitch because that vulturey part of it doesn't really exist, right? Hmm. So it's interesting because it's like he's selling sleaze, you know, it, he's he's like a greed is good, right? Gordon Gecko, yes, um, type. totally what I was thinking of. Yeah, Although although a really cut rate, Michael (laughs) Douglas, I'm sure.
1: I wonder if he self-justifies the way that Bernie Madoff did when he said, well, all the people who lost money through me, they were greedy too. So what did I do that they didn't do?
2: It's funny because in that quote, he's actually lying because his clients, and the only reason I know this is because I just researched him. So his client base was made up... Primarily of the wealthy uh, Jewish country club circuit in Long Island and in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. So he got these wealthy country clubs' that, uh, people to have their charitable foundations invest with Madoff. Mm. And the reason that they liked Madoff's strategy or his returns, which were completely fake, but why a sales pitch worked was because he wasn't promising crazy high returns. He was just promising sort of very stable returns, hmm. which the charitable foundations liked. So hmm. he was a master salesperson.
0: So he found that line between it sounds too good to be true and it sounds uh, just yep. just the yep. right amount of good. Enough right. to be true.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And smart people who were top investors themselves. You know, it's not hard to convince yourself if you want to be convinced.
1: Yeah, and if all your peers are telling you, yes, this is a good investment.
2: And he had a long track record. Everyone thought everything was fine because he did a really good job of having people agree to keep their money with him mm-hmm. and not withdraw it. So he went for, and the, and the accounts of it differ, but likely starting by 1990. Mm. And he went until 2008. He was just a master salesperson. He's, he's pretty fascinating.
1: A little credit here to my best friend, Claire, though, who's also a friend of Ross's. Her ex-boyfriend's parents tried to get her to invest with Bernie Madoff and said, oh, it's just such a good deal. We're making so much money. And Claire, who has an economics degree, looked at it and said, no, thank you.
2: Hmm. Wow. Um, that's that's great. Yeah. That, 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 that's nice. fantastic. I love hearing that.
0: So anything else we're missing on the tax liens front?
2: No, I I think we've pretty much covered tax liens that really, you know, the scam is getting people to believe that by paying this this company $3,000 for a you know, two-day seminar or whatever, that they're going to find this magic fountain of money that doesn't mm. exist.
0: And that's the basic question I think we raised, which is why would they want you involved in this at all if right. there was so much money here? Right. Oh, I forgot to mention that they said,
2: oh, you can do this with our with our money. You don't even have to bring your own
0: money in. Generally, OPM, what, other people's money. What they're doing is... So that
1: you is, can later owe money to us?
2: Yes. They've bought them at a, at a kind of a junk interest rate because these are the ones that were the uh, dogs of the of the bunch um, when the hedge, hedge funds bought you know 500 of them these are the bad ones so they bought them cheaply now they're thinking to themselves we bought this for $700 and we're going to sell it to this guy for $1200 okay well we'll give you a loan for it if you give us $300 down So now they're only actually out 400 bucks, but they're going to be charging him interest on 900 Mm bucks at some insane interest rate. Right. Now they're a bank. Right. You know, eventually these can mount up. And I've heard of situations where then they'll go on to convince someone, oh, you know, you just had bad law in those couple of ones. You need to stay in this. You will keep fronting you the money uh, if you give us a second mortgage on your house. That's cool. where wow. that's where you go from from scummy to just absolute shit. Creditor. Oh yeah. You know that's why they're able to do that. Hey, do it, you know, do it with other people's money. You know, it's um, there's a
0: cost to everything.
1: You know Ross, Ross is it?
0: Oh, I'm Ross. Yes.
1: I'm loving hearing from Michael, but you know, who else I love to hear from?
0: Probably a space where you can create quality websites, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Now, if I had to like describe this space, I would say maybe it's Square.
1: Exactly. Like that movie Cube or whatever that's out right now about the big square.
0: Oh, I don't know no, that one. well no,
1: that's a thing. All right. But yeah, I love to hear from Squarespace.
0: Squarespace allows you to build a beautiful website. You can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can not sell tax liens. Don't do that. Nope. You can not predatorily do anything, really. Yeah. Do good things yeah, with Squarespace. Make okay. a good
1: website, you guys. Make, I mean,
0: make it beautiful and good.
1: Squarespace is all about... You know, putting good into the world, and that is why they support this podcast and this episode.
0: But if you're listening to this and uh, you need an online presence for your business, for yourself, this is a great way to do it. The templates make it easy, and they are mobile-friendly, so you don't have to worry about that making two different versions of your site.
1: You know, it doesn't matter whether you're making a website for your business or maybe you just want to make a blog. It's user-friendly for both those kinds of things.
0: And you can Go in there and make it what you want, or you can use some of these world-class design templates. It's ready for e-commerce. Uh, it's got a built-in search engine and powerful analytics.
1: And did you know, maybe you're on Squarespace and you're like, I don't know how to find this this one picture of a zebra mm-hmm. that I want to put in the top corner. Mm-hmm. How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, here's what you done do. You contact their customer support. It 24-7-7. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. You can talk to someone about where well, that's that all there is. Zebra? There's
0: only twenty-four hours in the day.
1: You figured it out, Ross. That oh, means so they're there, there all the, all the time.
0: time. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code oh, no, O-H-N-O, to save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: That's squarespace.com and enter code OHNO. Anyway, back to our show.
0: We had another very knowledgeable listener, Bart McLeroy who wrote in and gave some tips on our Wealth Expo reporting. And uh, he was mentioning just kind of the state of needing a real estate license and that Mm -hmm. they were correct that you can do a lot of this buying without a real estate license. But especially if you start working out of state or having proxies work for you, that's where it gets a little legally gray.
2: Yeah, it can. And licensing law is very from state to state, and they all have different different things that you're allowed to do or not allowed to do. Like, I'm licensed, so I can do anything, but cool, I also man. have... <laughs> I can do... Hey, whoa! I'm like a super, you know, Superman. That's yeah, to see so Tom Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Whew, so I can legally... Uh, do anything with regards to real estate in Colorado but it also puts me at a higher responsibility level like if someone on the other side of a transaction didn't want to use a broker Uh then I have more liability there and and that's where I get conservative and say hey If you don't want a broker, that's cool, but at least have a lawyer look over the stuff for you. Like, you know, I want an intermediary there because we've got consequences if we have a license. Mm -hmm. So that's where Mm -hmm. people will, if they can justify bending the rules to their liking, they'll do that in hopes that they don't get caught because it's a lot harder to catch somebody if they're unlicensed.
0: Another thing Bart mentioned was that buying houses sight unseen is always a bad idea because there's going to be all kinds of hidden pitfalls that you don't see.
2: Absolutely. And I would say definitely buying sight unseen. I, I I can't think of ever having done that myself, but I I certainly have bought many houses that I wasn't able to see the inside of. Hmm. Yeah. So one thing, and this is part of the, you can't do this at home in your pajamas it's very helpful as a foreclosure buyer to know how to pick a lock. Hmm. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. It, it, you know, and I certainly, uh, I can't advocate for anyone. Um, don't take legal advice from a podcast. Ross and Carrie um, are not telling you
0: to pick locks. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: But, uh, it, you know, and I, I think the statute of limitations has probably run out. You know, when I was doing this, if a house was vacant, if it was obviously vacant, then I was going to go in and check it out. And I certainly wasn't uh, the only one. I can recall a few times because the way that the auctions work here, at least is different counties have them on different days. So Thursday was Denver's day. So on Tuesday, which is when you find out what's going up for auction, all the investors are going around and a lot of us knew each other and yeah, we'd all be at the same houses uh, looking at them at the same time. We'd have to be, 10 people walking through a vacant house hmm. that someone had broken into wow
0: um, oh my goodness
2: yeah because i i mean there were plenty of times where it's like oh wow it's perfect inside and other times where where it's like wow they even stole the toilets
1: oh um, wow
2: see I've, I've seen that one plenty of times you hear where, those stories. where you're thinking why would they even have bothered to take this you know <laughs> it, it couldn't just couldn't out of be spite anything right this is a really funny one um basically an open house someone had advertised on craigslist and i happened to be going there to look because it was on the foreclosure list Mm -hmm. they were just trying to sell everything out of the house so while i'm there somebody bought the furnace and and is, is hauling the furnace out oh my goodness is selling light switches you know anything oh you want you want the uh you know, the chandelier take it. <laughs> wow. it is trying to get every uh, every last dime out of it before it has to go to the bank, which is not legal. But you know, I can't say I'd necessarily blame him.
0: So moving on to Alan Andrus, uh, we suspect yes. that he maybe misled us on beating the stock market. Maybe you can tell us how to beat the stock market.
2: I cannot tell you how to beat the stock market,
1: oh, my God. We had to wait fifty <sighs> yep. minutes to find out you don't have the secrets.
2: <laughs> I don't have the secret. and and but I'll tell you what if I did, um, and I'm sure Alan Andrus would know this. if I did, I would just do the thing instead of yes, selling, exactly. again, why are coaching are you involved on in how any to of us? do the thing right. Uh, that's another sort of a golden rule of scams that I think of. If someone's trying to sell you on some business opportunity, think about why aren't they just doing it themselves. Yeah, I,
1: I think we mentioned that. And it's so obvious that if there's already like a victim to your scam, why are there two winners?
2: Right. Mm. There right. should just be exactly. like one of mm-hmm. each. If
1: you're adding this third person, something is awry for me.
2: And anytime they talked about, you know, having a team or being with a coach or being with a mentor, just like you see in a bank heist movie, you know, they have to split up the money at the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's no different. With, Why
0: would they want to split with, it investments.
2: with you? Yeah. Why do they want to split it with you? What, what are you bringing to the party? So with Alan, he started off with the whole thing about insider information. And what really jumped out at me there is because you talked about... Right, because he's, he's using the you know, term this inside
0: is, trading, but it's not inside right. trading because you don't actually have... Inside information.
2: There's nothing inside about it at all.
0: You're looking at other people's trades, and that's public information.
2: And other people's trades themselves, you, you have to tease that out. It's not just right there, but there are a hundred computer platforms that will do this for you. And, and <laughs> this was a critical uh, review on a forum. It referred to it as Alan Andrus's Laser Pointer Medicine Show. <laughs> and that just, that just sounds perfect. He's and they, a snake and so they, oil salesman. Yes, exactly. It's like an old timey medicine show. Yeah. So this person stated it was $3,000 for the workshop and then 30 bucks a month for this trading platform. And I'm sure that they are taking a, an extra commission cut mm-hmm. out of every trade that goes through there. It's going to be buried in some fine print somewhere. Mm. Because they're just passing it through to a to an actual brokerage, but they're gonna be taking a cut on that their, too. Their so,
0: take is guaranteed and yours right. not so much. No no not so much. Which is so much. the criticism of fund managers, and I think you'd mentioned this a bit as well, because they kept talking about how, you know, fund managers they always get their take for sure, and then you get some small sub percentage of that, and some of that is true.
2: It is, and one thing that we're seeing now in the markets is is we are seeing more funds uh, go away from what's called active management. When you have a fund manager person deciding what to buy and what to sell, more are going into funds that are just based on an algorithm mm-hmm. and they're going to track certain industries or certain market indicators or whatever. And that's becoming more popular and it's much cheaper. So they're right when they say, that money managers are taking a substantial amount of money away from, you Now, I think that they over blew that amount by about 20 times or something oh, wow. like that, because a high end hedge fund manager is going to take 20%, but the people that are getting, you know, a few percent, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's still more than in my opinion. And I have, I, and I mean, no disrespect to any money <laughs> managers, but to me, I keep everything in just index funds or in your year fund. Oh, you're planning to retire in 2050 mm. or, or whatever it is. And it just does its
0: thing. And best um, case scenario, you diversify. You have some things that are more variable that are playing this big lotto that we all play. And you have some other things that are you know, more reliable. Right. And the,
2: and, and the big computers that know a hell of a lot more than me or you or anybody take care of it for you. Mm-hmm. And they do it at a cheaper price point. So Alan Andrus is right about that, but what he never gets to is, well, then why is his system any better? Mm-hmm. Right. It really makes no sense because what he is saying is, well, we're going to base our, recommendations on what the experts are doing well he just said that the experts aren't doing any better than hmm. just playing the market so he's get, contradicting yeah himself i guess the idea there.
0: is that we're looking at only these elite people who are really successful and
2: that's the part you really can't track because it's not like the uh stock ticker says you yeah, know warren buffett just bought this well, I mean, unless he buys a company. In which case, it's already priced in. Mm-hmm. And there's no way for you to make money. It is really funny, though, that he calls out to Warren Buffett because Warren Buffett hates oh, uh, these I day bet. type of strategies. He thinks that they're such trash. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, his, his strategy has always been, you buy a company, and it's about the company oh, and okay, the value of it. And this is really, it's charting. And what they do is they have... A simple algorithm and it looks at the graph uh, and it makes some calculations and its little arrow
0: turns red or, or green. Right. And they show us the very selective moments in the past very... where they've been correct. Right. <laughs> right. A lot of this is very much like cold
2: reading techniques. Hmm. Uh-huh. You know, in any kind of rah-rah forum like that, you're going to have, I think it was with this one where he had brought a couple of women up to say, "Oh, I would buy this. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Or I would covered call. And covered call is it's a legitimate in- investment strategy. I don't know why he picked those words. Hmm. Sure, covered call is a, is a strategy. I don't know why that would excite anyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. Fair enough. Pretty clear you're <laughs> not going to get rich off it.
2: No, and and the whole point is is not to. By doing that you limit your upside. So it, it was just interesting to me to you know, to hear him say some things that really were just internally inconsistent.
1: To jump back to also the idea that your money manager or whoever takes a percentage, that's just of what you make, right? Not of the money you put in.
2: No, no, it is of the, the full amount generally. Oh,
1: okay, so, okay.
2: Right, so they're taking percentage of the account. Okay. So let's say that the fee was 2%, the, the fund is going to need to return more than that before it starts actually making a return to you. And there's often
0: a fixed cost that will even come out of your account.
2: Yeah, there can be all sorts of different ways to structure it. You know, when they're talking about things like that, they're really, they are not talking about the kind of funds that the people in this audience would have access to. Mm -hmm. The kind of funds that charge those huge fees are ones that are only going to be open to accredited investors who are going to understand the, the risks of them. And... Those guys get a lot of money. Sure. And, and I'm pretty sure they don't think uh, that they're worth it, but yeah, they're getting it while the getting's good. <laughs> but yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, like if you do have one who takes 1% or 2% or something, mm-hmm. and it's not until you make that extra money. I don't know. It reminds me of like my agent, you know, my agent takes a fee, but he also <laughs> gets me way more work than I would have gotten on my own that I don't have right. to worry about finding. I don't, right, I don't exactly. really see a big problem with that unless the fee's exorbitant.
2: Exactly. It's a commission or it's like what I do, you know, in real estate, I'm getting a commission when a deal closes. I used to be an agent when I was an agent, same thing. You get Mm -hmm. your, well, not me, my agency would get their 10%. Believe me, the agent doesn't get the full 10%. No, you know
1: I believe you.
0: (laughs) And I think you'd mentioned before that even with this website that isn't named, we only see these very generic screenshots, that he's probably Mm -hmm. just buying this as a white box thing from Some other company. Mm -hmm.
2: It's a white-labeled front end that, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there doing this same thing.
0: They just brand Um, this, you know, same infrastructure.
2: Right. So there's a few companies that have made a business out of just relabeling their system. And so, you know, you got lots of Alan Andrus's out there to... Make their rounds to the wealth expos of you know, the largest wealth expo of Alabama and the largest mm-hmm. real estate wealth expo of North Carolina. And <laughs> believe me, they're doing all of them.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, we appreci- absolutely. We stumble into so many different topics, and we're going to talk about this more. We're working on an updates and corrections episode, but I felt there was so much here in this wealth expo that we didn't fully understand and we appreciate you supplementing our reporting on that.
2: Well, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. I've been listening to the show for a couple of years and I, and I I really love the investigations. And then when I heard this one and I kind of knew too much (laughs) about the other side, but there's no reason why you would know what you didn't know about the wealth expo. And And that's why it was interesting to get that perspective You were the person walking into the the Real Estate Wealth Expo.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what we try to do. We try to go in with like... Sort of an average person's understanding of right. this stuff, and then mm-hmm. kind of into it, does this feel right? Does this feel wrong? So sometimes you know' yep. we're throwing spaghetti against the wall, but but you know, we knew enough to tell
0: this is not on the up and up
1: exactly. Hopefully, we at least get a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and it sounds like we were right in getting the thumbs down.
0: You were absolutely
2: right on 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 getting the thumbs down. You were also absolutely right about the the celebrity guests who are just you know paid their speaking fee to show mm-hmm. up for sure. for an hour that you know Robert Herjavec is not endorsing this.
1: Oh yeah, he clearly had no idea what was going on. Are
0: are there any other big pieces that you thought should be covered or
2: No, I mean I think these were the ones that really have the financial uh, backstories to them. 20 years one of my old bosses just liked these things. Hmm. And so he dragged me to
0: one once. Thought it was entertaining.
2: Right? Oh yeah, he thought it was gonna, you know, really just, you yeah. know, I was probably 23, 24 years old. It was one of my first jobs. Yeah, I mean, I was a cynic then, and uh, this was torture. J- just oh, yeah. sitting through. I think Colin Powell was one of the speakers, uh, oh. and he was actually he was actually very good. But then we also just had sort of the rah rah. It wasn't Tony Robbins, but the the Tony
0: Robbins type. Amazing just for due diligence here to revisit SWAT yet again cuz we we got so many <laughs> oh people God. telling us about <laughs> we SWAT. We got
1: maybe 30 emails about and tweets about um, SWAT. I'm messages. not
0: surprised. So, yeah, a lot of people know about SWAT, but I learned from Matt Schaff that there is also the STEEP analysis which evaluates social, technological, economic, environmental and political forces in the market and there's also a pest analysis which measures political, economic, social and technological issues so all kinds of different overlapping analyses i think and pest acronyms. is yeah also a, uh, a silly acronym
1: you can swat a pest
0: yeah <laughs> exactly they they
2: also they, they go by era so i was in business school at USC, actually, uh, oh, 2000 to 2002. and so back then we did SWAT and Pest, but mm. Steep I think is newer because we didn't we didn't have
0: Steep. So when you hear uh, SWAT, when you hear SWAT, <laughs> do you now picture a SWAT team or do you picture this market evaluation? Metric? I picture the
2: graph. I picture the four quadrants. And I, picture I can, someone I can a see it right in front of me.
0: I pity you.
1: Yeah. I picture it's... President Obama catching that fly.
0: Oh, boy. Well, remember when that was our problem with our president? <laughs>
2: oh, my. oh, oh, my oh the glory days. No, the days when existential dread wasn't uh, you know, a, a light topic.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael, for sharing your knowledge with us absolutely thanks for having me and uh tell our listeners again how they can find you
2: sure you can find my show reasonable risk on itunes and all of the various pod catchy places um reasonable risk twitter at reason broker reasonable risk podcast at gmail.com feel free to to email me questions and pitch your wall street trading uh system. Okay. Maybe, maybe what, if, be the one. what if? What there's
1: a? It's a dog carrier, but it's got it's got gloves. They're attached to it, and then while your dog's under the seat in front of you on an airplane, you can pet her.
2: What are the gloves made of? What's the material? Because <laughs> Ross I want, asked me this I, Because too. I really want the fur feet. I mean, I want to be able to. You want be able to feel fur. the fur.
1: This isn't for you. This mm. is for your dog. So it's some <laughs> sort of. It's I don't know. It's made of the same stuff we make Kevil. dog. To, uh, toys out of yeah Kevlar something like that so yeah Kev- it's, it's hard to it's hard to chew through is the I, idea
2: I don't walk my dog in neighborhoods <laughs> where they need Kevlar
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway the point is your dog's excited even it's if it's a you great investment it. and it's a really good idea
2: I'll check it out with uh, my dogs Archie and Jazz and uh, we'll we'll see how they
1: feel okay, about thank it Thank
0: you Well that's it for our show.
1: Thank you to Michael.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing all your knowledge with us. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
1: Our show was edited by Victor Figueroa.
0: Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer.
1: And you can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate.
0: Find us on Facebook, fb.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C.
1: And you can also follow us on Twitter at Ono Podcast.
0: And then you've done your good deed for the day.
1: Indeed. And remember.
0: In the words of our guest, Michael Schaefer. Stay away from Bitcoin. <music> Nope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And and I I was was two. 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 Butts, 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 butts.
2: What's up? I'm James, the co host of Minority Corner.
0: Okay, the other co-host of Minority Corner. Girl, guess what? What? We just hit our 100th episode. What?
2: And what do you think is gonna be in store for the next 100? Probably some more feuds with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm telling you, we'll probably do more investigative reporting too, like we did with the Kodak and their racist film. Not to mention exposing the truth, like how we did with the ugly history of the Texas Rangers. But we always lighten the mood with a splash of pop culture. Olivia Pope's new wig, have you seen that? It's popping. Just like your lip gloss. And Janet Jackson. And you know, we like to put our nerd glasses on and talk about things like marvel it's true that's it <laughs> i don't speak about tc <laughs> but you just did <laughs> all from a perspective that's black queer
0: and ladylike
2: so come on over and learn laugh and play and join the corner it's a lot of fun
1: i'm having fun right now <laughs> <laughs> minority corner. corner MaximumFun.org.
0: comedy and culture artist owned
1: listener supported